All right, good evening. So we are in the, our, our class on the life of Christ. We are in lesson eight. Uh, we do still have some packets left. Uh, if you'd like a copy of the uh, sort of the, the take-home uh, lesson that you can kind of read ahead, uh, Eddie's got a few of those. Uh, again, I think these are the first 12 or so lessons. And uh, obviously, again, this is going to be a, a long class, uh, doing it both on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, uh, to get through uh, the whole gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so it's a great undertaking. Uh, appreciate doing this class. I'm having a lot of fun studying for this class. Uh, you know, this is something that I've wanted to do for quite a while, is to walk through uh, the life of Christ in this chronological order. Uh, you know, to get things straight in my head, you know, as to, you know, when things happened in the life of Jesus. And here we are on lesson eight, and we're still not in Jesus's ministry. That starts with lesson one, so you can flip over five lesson eight. It's in there all the way to the 14th. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so uh, uh, it starts with lesson one in the packet, and so you should, you'll have to flip a couple of pages in there to find lesson eight, which is probably titled The Silent Years. So again, yes, we are... Not quite yet into the ministry of Jesus. Uh, we are uh, focusing in uh, tonight on the silent years, often referred to. But if you recall on Sunday morning, we, in Lesson 7, we talked about the events that happened right after the birth of Christ. We, we looked at uh, the, the, the shepherds who received uh, the, the, the message that Jesus had been born in Bethlehem. You know, the shepherds are the group of people who get the news first. And, you know, that's quite extraordinary when we think about it because of the position of shepherds in that time. You know, these aren't the, the, the magistrates. These aren't the kings. These aren't the important people uh, that are getting the message of Jesus' birth, but they're the, the lowly shepherds. Right? And so they received the message. Uh, we looked at the, the, the verses that talked about uh, Mary and Joseph and what they did. Right after uh, the birth of Jesus, following the Old Testament commands that the, that the Jews would have followed, having Christ circumcised on the eighth day, uh, giving uh, the monetary uh, gift of having the firstborn son, uh, the laws of purification. Remember, they offered, uh, whether it was the two turtle doves or the two, uh, the two, uh, well, let's... That's in Luke. Uh, we, we, yeah, we, we discussed how, uh, you know, we, we would have saw that uh, Jesus' family, uh, again, Mary and Joseph, would have been uh, of the poorer class because they didn't come with an offering of the lamb, but rather they came uh, with, Luke refers to there in chapter uh, 2, uh, in verse 24, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons is what Mary and Joseph offered. Again, because uh, they were not of the wealthy uh, class. And so we concentrated on the fact that, you know, Jesus' parents uh, are following the old law. Uh, just because Jesus has been born uh, doesn't mean that the Old Testament has gone out of effect as of yet. Uh, they are, Jesus is going to live under the old law, the law of Moses. And eventually, through his death, uh, he's going to nail that law to the cross. And then we focus on the wise men, or maybe your translation uh, refers to them as the Magi. Uh, they come and visit uh, uh, 
a younger Jesus. Uh, of course, you know, again, this wasn't uh, the baby Jesus that we see in the nativity scenes, but they come and, and visit uh, Jesus. They bring those gifts. And, uh, and of course, we're introduced to Herod, uh, who is a really, really uh, bad man. And we'll talk a little bit more about this this evening. Uh, but he wants to know uh, where the king of the Jews was born as well. Now, he's got some other alternative motives uh, that, that uh, you know, obviously there's been a king born and he doesn't want anybody threatening his kingdom. And so he wants the Magi to find Jesus and then come back and report to him where exactly he is uh, so that he can uh, take care of uh, Jesus. So that's where we left off. Again, we're in Lesson 8 tonight. Uh, we're going to be starting out in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, as we continue the thoughts of Jesus uh, during these silent years. Again, we're going to be uh, focusing really, uh, you know, 28 years of Jesus' life in these few verses. Uh, you know, would you like to have known uh, your spouse's uh, you know, upbringing. You know, if you had an opportunity to maybe see, you know, how your uh, your spouse or your best friend, or, or you know, whoever your parents, uh, you know, how they were raised, uh, would you like to have known that? Maybe somebody recorded it uh, or wrote things down in detail. Um, you know, what what usually happens when a celebrity passes away? It's on the news, right? And maybe uh, some channel will uh, host an hour-long special, right, to give us all the detail of their life from birth and, and through their career, and they make a TV show about it. But, you know, think about this. The most important man to have ever lived that we know, and other than these few verses we're going to read tonight, we have very little of his childhood, right? very little of his childhood. And again... You know, I, I don't see that as a negative thing. Uh, you know, I see that as another proof of the inspiration of the Bible, right? Because if, if man wrote the Bible uh, with uh, not under, you know, an inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if it was just simply a man, right? A man's going to um, give us everything, right? He's going to give us all the details. Uh, of you know Jesus' childhood uh, to make the story even greater and fancier, you know. But because we don't have uh, much of that information, uh, you know, that's again that's another proof of the, the inspiration of scriptures that you know God gives us what we need to know, and that is all we need to know. Um, again, we're going to cover uh, you know really the first thirty years of Jesus' life in the in these lessons, uh, the silent years. You know, we've often wondered, you know, I know a lot of people ask or want to know, you know, about Jesus as a young child. You know, some people ask, well, you know, was he all knowing during that time? You know, was he uh, perfect? You know, uh, some people, they just can't wrap their minds around a, a teenager, right? A teenager living a perfect, sinless life. You know, how did he interact with his siblings? You know, did they get into tussles like siblings do? 
What was his senior uh, yearbook photo, uh, if you will? You know, uh, those are questions that we sometimes ask. And of course, again, the scriptures don't let us know. Those are things that we're going to have to you know, keep in the back of our mind and hopefully uh, ask Jesus one day when we, we, we get to heaven. But again, you know, Luke really is the only one that gives us a glimpse into uh, Jesus's life really in a full cycle. Uh, we, we read some of the scriptures about him being a baby. Uh, we read a, a couple of scriptures about uh, his, he as a little boy. Um, then, we, and then the one we're going to focus on this evening about the 12-year-old uh, Jesus who was at the temple. And then by the time we get to Luke chapter 3, you know, he's a 30-year-old uh, man. So uh, let, let's jump in and look at these few verses that we have of Jesus from, uh, you know, from maybe around two years old to, to 12 years old. And let's uh, see what the Bible has to say about these things. So first, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 13. And this is the flight to Egypt, the flight to Egypt. So uh, Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 13, reads this way. Uh, now, when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up. Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Uh, when Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. So, again, we, we see another uh, angel. Uh, we, we've had many um, angel uh, visits of the past couple of chapters that we've looked at. Another angel uh, comes to Joseph once again, and he tells him to go to Egypt uh, because of what Herod is planning to do uh, to Jesus. And note Joseph's response. What is Joseph's response Does he delay? Does he make plans? Or does he immediately go? Yeah, immediately. In fact, it says that very night. You know, I understand that back then, you know, they lived in tents. They lived in, you know, not necessarily permanent structure like we do. But, I mean, how would how would we feel, you know, in our lives at this point, if God were to tell us to just get up and leave and go to another land, another country? You know, that that's kind of hard for us to fathom, right? Uh, it would have been easier in the, in Jesus's day to do this, of course, uh, and, and that's exactly what we see Joseph doing. Joseph does not hesitate; he leaves that very night. You know, I, I put the map up here because again, we're going to be talking about. Uh, some of the the different cities uh, and such, but you know if if Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem at this time, you know, they are going to uh, f- 
flee to Egypt. Egypt's not on this map. Maybe it's on this one. Uh, yeah, we can see it a little bit on here, where again, they're here in Israel, and they're going to flee to uh, Egypt. So I think uh, the notes say, uh, you know, that's somewhere around a hundred mile trip uh, that they're going to flee to. And they possibly believe that uh, the family is going to make camp in Alexandria. Uh, Alexandria, uh, which would have been another hundred miles from the uh, border of Egypt, would have been a place where at the time, you know, scholars estimate that there was probably three million Jews living uh, in Alexandria at that time. You know, how they know that, I'm not sure. Uh, but, but that's interesting that they note that that's you know, possibly where uh, Jesus and, uh, would, and his family would have uh, went to in Egypt because of finding a lot of his fellow countrymen in Alexandria. But whatever the case is, they flee to Egypt. And is this the only time that we read of Jesus being outside of Israel? Well... Yeah, let me go back. This, this section of land here uh, that we often you know, refer to as Palestine or Israel, uh, you know, this is the only time in Scripture that we read of Jesus being outside of the land of Palestine, of the regions of Galilee and Samaria and Judea. And so uh, he leaves, or his, Mary and Joseph and Jesus, they go down into Egypt. The Bible tells us here in Matthew, or Matthew tells us that he is fulfilling a prophecy of one of the uh, Old Testament prophets. And this comes from Hosea, one of the minor prophets, Hosea, in chapter 11, verse 1. Hosea is writing uh, about uh, the the Israelite nation and uh, their uh, escape from the land of Egypt. You know, this, of course, being Moses who uh, frees them out of bondage and they go and leave uh, Egypt out towards the wilderness? Well, uh, Matthew takes that scripture, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and applies it to uh, Jesus. Uh, There in uh, verse 15, out of Egypt I called my son. So, uh, again, uh, Mary and Joseph, they are there in Egypt with Jesus, and now it is time for them to um, leave And, well, we're not there yet, but out of Egypt, I called my uh, son. So, again, Matthew, um, he focuses on that fulfillment of prophecy. And, again, that's Matthew's point, right? Matthew is writing to the Jews. He wants them to understand that this uh, Jesus is the Messiah. And so uh, the Jews would want to know that, especially that Jesus is fulfilling uh, some of the things, or all the things that the Old Testament prophets are saying about uh, the Jesus, about Jesus. Uh, this is just a quick point, but uh, Mary and Joseph and Jesus are in, in Egypt. You know, how do you how do you think that they are going to survive uh, during this time? Uh, you know, financially. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I was going to make that point uh, that, that, you know, again, Joseph might have done some of his carpentry work, but we know for a fact that, you know, the Magi gave uh, that gold to uh, the parents of Jesus. You know, was God providentially working at that time 
uh, to you know, bring the Magi uh, to Jesus to pr- give that gift to them that's going to sustain them during their time in Egypt. You know, that, that's just, you know, that's something, you know, to think about. Uh, the, the providential care of God right there, uh, that, that they receive that gold, and that's possibly how that's going to sustain them during this time uh, that they are in Egypt. Verse. Testament to the faith of uh, Joseph and Mary. Uh, verse 16 tells us that, again, that uh, when Herod saw that they had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and he sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and uh, under. So when we talk about two years, I guess, you know, a lot of the, I believe this is in your packet that the commentators talked about this is, you know, when you and I talk about a kid that's two years old, you know, we immediately think of someone who's, you know, older than 24 months, right? That they've, uh, that they are, you know, physically two years old, but uh, they, they make mention here that, uh, that in Jewish culture and other cultures at that time, uh, to say someone was two years old, you know, could have meant that they were just older uh, than 12 months, right? Because they consider from, uh, you know, day one until um, one year to be the first year, and then from, you know, year one to year two to be that second year. And so uh, Herod here is going to um, make this command to have all the children who are two years and younger to uh, be um, executed, uh, to, uh, the, the male children. Uh, you know, again, that kind of puts us in a rough estimate as to, uh, you know, how long uh, or how old Jesus was when the Magi came uh, to, to him and to Herod. You know, anywhere from, you know, six months to two years, I guess, is possible uh, that, that Herod believes Jesus could be up to two years old at, at the time when he d- makes this uh, calculation. And so uh, because of that, there are going to be a lot of children uh, in this region of Bethlehem and the surrounding areas who are going to die on account of this uh, command. Uh, again, you know, the, the, the scholars say that, you know, we're talking about a range of, because Bethlehem is not a great uh, big city, metropolis or anything like, you know, Jerusalem or Jericho. Uh, they estimate that this could be anywhere from 10 to 50 uh, young you know, boys from the ages of, again, birth to two years old that uh, would have lost their lives because of this decree of Herod. And so Matthew, again, um, explains to us there in verse 18 that this is a fulfillment of the prophecy of Jeremiah. You know, Rachel uh, weeping for her children. Rachel, of course, being uh, the, the, the matriarch in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. Um, you know, the children of Israel, you know, these children that were slaughtered because of 
Herod's um, decree to, to put Jesus to death. But of course, Jesus is nowhere in the vicinity. He is in Egypt because of uh, God's uh, commands uh, to uh, Joseph and, and Mary. So let's, let's look as we continue on in verses 19 through 23 uh, that Jesus, uh, you know, he's gone to Egypt. But the, again, that's all the information we get. And now he's going to return uh, back into uh, the land of Israel. So let's look at Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Okay, so Jesus is in Egypt. Uh, Herod, uh, we find out, is now dead. And uh, an angel once again comes to Joseph in a dream, tells him it, it's all right to go back to Israel. It's all right to uh, go home. Uh, it appears that uh, Joseph wants to go back to uh, Bethlehem, where they had just you know, had come from. Uh, but then when he finds out that Herod's son is now reigning in place of Herod, uh, he, uh, look, he's hesitant, we see. He's, he's afraid to go back there. Um, Archelaus, history tells us, was just as cruel as his father Herod. Uh, so Joseph, um, you know, it looks like he's a little hesitant, but the angel again, or once again, tells us, or tells him to uh, go back. And so they, they, instead of going back to Bethlehem, they head uh, again all the way back to uh, Galilee, the region of Galilee. And that's going to be Nazareth, uh, which is, again, where Jesus is going to grow up. You know, it was possible that they were going to go back to, uh, or that Joseph had intentions of just staying in Bethlehem. Uh, it looks like he wanted to go back to Bethlehem, but uh, because of Archelaus was there in the region, uh, again, he was afraid to do that. And so uh, the angel directs him to go back, and they go back to Nazareth. And again, uh, verse 23 tells us that this fulfills uh, what was spoken through the prophets, that he shall be called a Nazarene. Now, just an interesting thing about this verse here, verse 23, chapter 2. We could search the Old Testament scriptures all day, and we're not going to find uh, the prophets uh, speaking specifically uh, about a, this prophecy, saying, uh, he shall be called a Nazarene. Uh, if, if you notice, the, the first two that we looked at tonight, in verse, uh, uh, the one from Hosea and then the one from Jeremiah, you know, specifically says... This was spoken through the prophet Hosea, or this was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, but here we have it says this was spoken through the prophets. And so uh, what many believe what's going on here is, you know, basically we are getting a summation of the prophet's uh, prophecy that uh, he shall be called a Nazarene. You know, what, what's the stigma about Nazareth? Do you remember that? Do you remember what, uh, what, 
what Nathaniel said about Nazareth in the book of John. He said, you know, what good thing could come from Nazareth? Right? Nazareth did not have a very good stigma among the people uh, of Israel. Again, it's very, very small, uh, very uh, uh, unlikely that you know, this would be a place of significance. Uh, but So a lot of scholars believe that verse 23, when it says that he shall be called a Nazarene, what they're doing is they're combining all these different prophecies in the Old Testament uh, that the Messiah would be you know, despised and scorned by men. Especially, you know, we read about in Isaiah chapter 53. And so uh, when they say that he shall be called a Nazarene, you know, that's in reference to, you know, he shall be, you know, uh, an individual who's despised. He shall be an individual who uh, will be scorned because those are the type of people that come from Nazareth uh, that that, uh, Matthew, again, is letting us uh, know there. I know our time is running quite short this evening, so let's jump uh, to the. Uh, the final section here, we're going to have to move to the book of Luke to get this in Luke chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 40. So, again, we just, we just left the life of Jesus where he was, uh, uh, you know, anywhere from, you know, six months to two years old, coming back into the land of uh, Palestine, into the land of Israel. And now, uh, as we move chronologically through the life of Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 40... Uh, we get one verse here that talks about uh, just where Matthew left off. Luke chapter 2, verse 40 tells us the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. The grace of God was upon him. And so, uh, you know, again, this is just attributing to, you know, the fact that Jesus, you know, was a was human like us, right? And he grew the same way we grew. And, uh, and he's going to reiterate that one more time. Let's look at verses 41 through 52, because now we're going to get a glimpse of the 12-year-old Jesus. And again, this is the only time in Scripture we have verses pertaining to Jesus around this time frame. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he became 12... They went up there according to the custom of the feast, and as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan, and went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Okay, so Jesus is now 12 years old and his family is going to the Passover. Uh, Again, you know, Jesus is growing up here in Nazareth and every year uh, they would make this trek down to Jerusalem now, the Bible says that 
even though they're going north to south, the Bible will always say that they're, traveling, they're, they're going up to Jerusalem because that's speaking of the elevation. Because Jer Jerusalem has a higher elevation uh, than, than the other uh, cities of significance. And so they're going up to uh, Jerusalem to take part of the Passover. Right? And the Passover, of course, is the greatest feast uh, that the Jewish nation would have taken part of. Uh, the greatest festival, it lasts eight days. Uh, day one would have been the day that they would have ate the, the lamb, the Passover lamb. And then the, the, the rest of the seven days is what they often refer to as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so sometimes when you read in Scripture of the Passover, it's referring to all uh, eight of those days. Or if it's talking about the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it could be referring to all eight of those days again. But they would have uh, gone to Jerusalem as with everyone else uh, who was a faithful Jew, would go to Jerusalem. They, they would take part in the, the Passover dinner uh, of the lamb and to commemorate, of course, what? What are they commemorating? Right, they're commemorating when they came out of Egypt. And so, again, this was a day that was commanded by God to take place. Uh, commemorating their, their bondage in Egypt and, um, you know, uh, and remembering those things. You know, God established the, these holy days for them to remember uh, of where they were at one time. And so they take part in that. They start heading home. Uh, they're, they're traveling in these caravans. And, uh, of course, you know, Mary is probably walking with the women. Joseph's probably walking with the men. And, you know, Mary probably thinks Jesus is with Joseph. Joseph probably thinks Jesus is with Mary. And uh, they come together at some point after a day's travel, and they find out Jesus isn't with them. Hey, can you imagine the scene that's going on? You know, I thought he was with you. No, I thought he was with you. Right? Have you ever lost a child in a department store? Uh, and, you know, you... you you, talk, you ask your wife, I thought, you know, I thought they were with you. And, you know, it turns out they're in the toy aisle or something like that. Uh, but that's, you know, exactly what's going on here. They, they probably each think that Jesus is with one of them. Maybe Jesus is with the group of children that's uh, going back. But he's not in that caravan. And so they have to turn around. Mary and Joseph, they travel another day back to Jerusalem. They go to the temple. And there he is. Right? Jesus is sitting in the temple. He, he's asking questions. Uh, he, he's listening. You know, he, he's not usurping any authority. He's not taking over the classroom. Uh, but he is, uh, he is interested uh, in the teaching uh, that the rabbis are doing. He, he wants to, you know, better, again, understand he, he's growing. Right? He's growing. He's growing in wisdom, we're told. And... Um, you know, again, what was Jesus's answer to Mary? Uh, what, what are you doing to this? Why are you doing this to us? And of course, Jesus says, uh, what is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Right? And did Mary and Joseph understand what Jesus meant by that? No, that's what it says in verse 50, that they did not understand the statement which he made to them, you know, uh, what is he talking about? But of course, Jesus is talking about um, his spiritual father, yeah, his heavenly father. That's uh, 
what you know he, he has to be of his father's business but but we see there in verse 51 it says that Jesus stayed in subjection to his parents right he is again he, he knows the old law he knows honor thy father thy mother he's going to live a perfect life a sinless life and he is uh, going to follow in subjection to his parents and I love verse 52 Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. You know, he had a well-balanced childhood. Uh, He's growing mentally, right? Uh, A child of his age uh, would have been, uh, you know, not only would he have been learning a trade. Again, what was Jesus's trade? Carpenter, right? Uh, His father, Joseph, was a carpenter. But he would have been learning from the Old Testament. That's where he would have been getting his writing and reading and arithmetic and all that. But again, a well-balanced education. Uh, He was growing mentally, physically, socially, and spiritually. We we went through, you know, again, uh, uh, probably 28 years of Jesus' life in those few verses. And so uh, on Sunday morning, we will get to Lesson 9. And we will start to look at uh, the beginning of John the Baptist's ministry. And so eventually, you know, we'll we'll see Jesus as an adult as as well. So, uh, again, thank you for your attention this evening and your participation.